So it's all kicking off over there, huh? <laughs> it, it is all kicking off, yeah. Understatement, yeah, yeah. I was seeing on the news that it was like 56 days, is that right? Until Brexit, currently? Is it that In many? In theory, I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah right. depending on what the fuck happens. but I thought it was fewer than that. If it's the end of August. It's the end of October, then... isn't it? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, end of October, sorry, yeah. My, minus, basically. So it's almost two months. Yeah, two months, take away five days, because we're on the 5th of September. And of course, so Parliament will be out for five weeks. Well, you know, we're going to leave... It's gonna be good. It's gonna we're gonna sort everything out, put an end to the Brexit issue, and then we can finally, finally, have that referendum on Brexit. <laughs> opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard left are. in the you know, ascendancy I mean, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard left, the 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 hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 hard would it take to rejoin if we'd actually already left a long time right yeah <laughs> i think we should agree well, considering now, how long brexit has taken <laughs> yeah. yeah i think we should agree now as like a real politic policy we should wait until the objectively funniest time after brexit has actually happened to suddenly go all out for a people's vote oh okay yeah <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah i think that would be the only appropriate time for us <laughs> To adopt that position, I think. Yeah. Wait for, like, Ian Dunn to actually be locked up by whatever government <laughs> we've got to suddenly take an entirely pro-Ian Dunn position. <laughs> well, I presume that will be the new McDonnell anti-Tory law. <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> that is a, just a real below-the-belt joke. Like, you know that Ian Dunn? He's a fucking Tory, he is. <laughs> he maybe falls into the grey area, but I think ultimately, if you've written an article about Tony Blair's dick, you probably <laughs> just put put him in for. for you, there's plenty of reason to lock him up on that, anyway. Yeah, also known as John Rental's weekly column for the Independent. But hey, at least somebody else yeah. tried to give that that. Uh, Dunty was more honest about it, really. That honourable tradition shot. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Ian Dunt and other <laughs> pundits such as James O'Brien, 
fans of the show, fans of the influential and great band The Clash will be pleased to know that I've made the famous Joe Strummer shut up will you you stupid cunt quote into an inspirational quote shut up will you stupid cunt Oh, thanks very much, Pat. Yeah, that's what you deserve with that sort of crap. What do you think we are? Do you think this is 1976 and you're talking to the Sex Pistols? Piss off or I'll fucking piss all over you. It's got it uh, written in Times New Roman at the bottom of the picture of Joe Strummer sneering, so you can now paste that into the mentions of whoever your least favourite liberal or or even conservative, but mainly liberal pundit is. Like I say, yeah, Ian Dunn led me to this train of thought, but particularly I would say James O'Brien I, w- I would advocate sending it to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the, the thing about it is it's, it's one of the, the sort of pro-Twitter moves for being incredibly rude to blue-tick people is that's safer than just calling them a stupid cunt because people are less likely to report it if it's just text on an image. Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do, report Joe Strummer? Hello, sorry, can (laughs) can I speak to the Clash's manager? The level beyond that as well is to find someone else calling someone else a cunt or something like that. um, (laughs) And just quote tweet that in someone else's replies. What, that Neo guy? yeah, that, that's the best one. Shut you know, up, cunt! Telling, telling Pele to shut up, cunt, which makes it all the funnier. But I've done it about a hundred times. I've not got banned yet, so I think that's maybe the the most pro level of it. Yeah, well, I also made it into a video as well, which is just uh, Joe Strummer saying, shut up, will you, you stupid cunt? And then the journalist says, oh, thanks. And Joe Strummer says, well, that's what you deserved with that crap. Unfortunately, I had some... Uh, video cropping issues and the half of the word crap is taken out of it and also that means that i made the in reality quite foolish decision to remove the bit where joe strummer uh, says he's gonna piss all over the journalist which i think is equally powerful rhetoric yeah maybe that can be the follow-up one yeah yeah you know if they do try and make a come you know, some awkward comeback to the original one yeah, yeah, and just uh, I'll, I'll fucking piss on you. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a, a that's quite a good a plan of action, especially with uh, an election possibly on the horizon. Yeah, so we've had a lot going on. Obviously, we'll go on to talk. I'm sure about some of the Brexit stuff that's been absolutely everywhere. Boris Johnson treading on a million rakes for the last three days. Yeah, repeatedly, yeah. basically, but. I think what's sort of gone under the radar a bit, to varying extents, is various more ex-Labour politicians joining the Liberal Democrat Party today. Yeah, well, I mean, you can hardly even really call it the Labour Party now that Rob Flello is no longer counted amongst its number. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, now, I'd never actually heard of the guy, despite him having been... (laughs) A Labour MP from 2005 to 2017. Mm. I remember him quitting at the last election. I don't even remember that, and I was following the news cycle pretty closely. Like, um, (laughs) this is the long tail of someone else that you don't pick a fight with, Duga style, maybe. This is him Mm. getting his his revenge. But if you've not heard of someone in politics, you look him up. All right, Wikipedia, that's a start. And straight away, social views. Flello also opposes same sex marriage. And one of the few <laughs> Labour MPs to vote against the Marriage Same-Sex Couples Act 2013. He was a member of the anti-abortion all-party parliamentary pro-life group. And in 2017, Flello was accused of filibustering a fellow Labour backbencher's private member's bill. The bill introduced by Paul Farrelly, 
aimed to give temporary and agency workers similar employment rights to permanent staff. It was backed <laughs> by the Unite Trade Union. <laughs> so he, good like, riddance, yeah. Like uh, hey man, I mean, just think scumbag. about... Think about this from a liberal perspective. I mean, he may be a homophobe, but at least he's also against workers' rights. That's yeah. true. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, he's exactly halfway suitable for the Lib Dems, just the same <laughs> as the, the homophobe they got from the Tory party the other day, to great applause. So. Yeah, what is his name? What? Who's that, that, that guy, that tosser? I should know that, because he's significantly more notable than, than Rob Flello, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember because that was two days ago, which is about two years ago in in it's regular a time political in time at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, specifically um, at the moment because you go to work and come home and find ten more ways Boris Johnson's fucked up. Yeah, know? I gotta it's say just... I do love how there could be an election whenever it it makes it a lot more exciting. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of been like that for the last two years. And I've got to Pretty say, yeah, maybe you've got a kind of outsider's perspective, but at times it's uh, <laughs> it's not that exciting when it's kind of, when <laughs> for, for, for two whole years it's been like, oh, maybe the election will be tomorrow. Well, maybe the election will be tomorrow. Maybe the election will be, we're never going to get an no, election. Two are years is shorter than four. Yeah, true, true, true. But 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 if you think about it, we've had a kind of ghost government for two years with no oh, no yeah. policy agenda, no yeah. majority. Yeah. A, you know, a shadow government. It's <laughs> um, an absolute mess. I I really don't know how Boris Johnson is even the prime minister. It doesn't. It's all baffling. Yeah, yeah. You just but kinda that kind said, of makes it exciting. Like, yeah, well, yeah. I I I, to- I get. <laughs> I totally get that. Like you, I remember you messaged me one day, like, "Oh, hey, I guess Boris Johnson's prime minister now." Eh? <laughs> like a month into his two months, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it's true. Like, you fuck, do, when did that? You happen? do miss stuff, Geraint. I think you retweeted this on the Real Politic account. There was there was actually a big bit of news today about the next general election and who will be standing in it in the constituency oh. of. Oh yeah, Ilford South. Are we talking about the brother of uh, Boris? Oh no, no, no! We'll oh. get to Joe Johnson okay. in a bit. We'll get. This is the. the I uh, don't know the constituencies. And stuff. <laughs> this is the regular Gapes news section of the show. Okay, I see. <laughs> so, revealed today by award-winning data journalist Mr. Richard Miller. Uh, <laughs> all right, okay, maybe Gapes went on Sky News. But <laughs> Mike Gapes has announced that he will be standing if there's an early general election. I'm not a Liberal Democrat, and I won't be joining the Liberal Democrats. Uh, if, if I'd have wanted to do that, I would have done that when I left the Labour Party after 50 years. I have no intention of doing that, and I will remain with the Independent Group for Change. And are you going to stand at the next election, whenever it may be? Well, I've made the decision uh, just in the last few days when I was away on holiday. I will be standing, if there is an early general election, uh, to uh, remain with Mike in Ilford South. Fantastic news for the milk industry. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I I just thought I'd hear all kind of whoops and clapping. (laughs) You you can have that in too happy to react. It's like a Beatles concert in 1965. That's what I thought I was going to get from you guys there. That's Uh, why this isn't live. We got editing, you know. (laughs) It's a very muted response. Just just leaning back and 
thinking of the big cartoon money bags that we're going to get rolling in from the Gapes material we'll get out of his election campaign. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Uh, what did you say on, on the Twitter, Geraint? You mess with Gapes and there's only one winner. And that's our engagement stats. Don't forget to hit that like button. Patreon is in the bio, folks. <laughs> also linked on our SoundCloud page as well, if you're listening to this right now. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is. Was there some other Gapes news today? Oh, yeah, I haven't actually seen the clip yet. But apparently, when he was on Sky News, for some reason, he, <laughs> he found an excuse to mention Mr. Seamus Milne. <laughs> He's what? calling him out. He wants to fight him at SummerSlam. Why was he talking about Seamus Mill? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Why? Well, I'd imagine he must talk about Seamus Mill a lot more when there's not a camera on. Probably <laughs> just ranting and raving to his constituency staff at all times. Yeah. Oh, you'll never guess what Mr. Seamus Milne is up to now, you know? <laughs> They're probably all sick of hearing about him, whatever they think of him, and... This is probably him trying to be like, be normal, talk about today's events in Parliament, and it just always comes back to Seamus Mill. And, you know, if, if something's pissing you off at work and you always end up bringing the conversation around to grumbling about it, you know? It's like that, but he's just consumed by hatred. Yeah, it's true. Sure. Um, of, yeah. Of, uh, of Corbyn and especially of Milne. Yeah, we don't know why he's hated in this case, ironically. It's an inversion of the famous Milne tagline. We don't know why he's hated. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Mike, Mike Gapes, or da? Thank you. Oh, da? Oh, da? I've never known a situation in which Mr Gapes can't be heard. If there's some private spat taking place, it should take place outside of the chamber, not in it. Very unsatisfactory. Mr Mike Gapes. Mr Speaker, firstly, can I pay tribute to you and what you have done to stand up for representative parliamentary democracy against an arrogant and overbearing executive. I don't have long. I want to make two points. Firstly, there is an old adage neither Washington nor Moscow. And I say neither Uxbridge nor Islington. In this time of national crisis, this country is in a very dangerous place. And it is time that all the moderate social democrats and one nation conservatives and liberals came together to stop the extremism which is going to damage our country for decades to come. We have to stop this process. And the best way is to recognise a general election will not resolve it, as the member for Rutland made clear. What we have to do is put the issue back to the people. As the member, others have said, we need a people's vote, which is a choice, an informed choice. We should pause this process, stop the no-deal Brexit, defend the people in Ireland and in Gibraltar and you have the milk. The question is, is, thank you. Speaking of Seamus, there has been a bold new front opened in Milnology, which is that uh, (laughs) (laughs) our our mortal enemies over at the hated melt blog Little Atoms have published an article by one 
Marie Leconte called Who Would Win in a Fight, Dominic Cummings or Seamus Milne? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not even a question, is it? First off. Yeah, I mean, they do conclude Milne because he's smarter, mm. but... <laughs> wily. Yeah, he is a wily yeah. coyote, Mr. Seamus Milne. It says, there are many questions to be asked about Dominic Cummings and Seamus Milne. How much power do they really have in their parties? How much power should they really have in their parties? It's, oh, it's just a bullshit, hand-wringing, false equivalence. It's is just there... a way to write about them without doing any research, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. And then, and then she even gets to, oh, well, actually, their personal manners are completely different <laughs> later on. It's just that they've got the same job <laughs> so they're clearly the same person is their power revealing of the sort of people they are or the sort of people their leaders are these are all worthwhile topics to ponder but we must put them aside for now as we are here for one reason and one reason only and it is to answer the important question who would win in a fight between dominic cummings and seamus milne boring 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 um uh boring 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 Boring, boring, boring. There's a, a section which is marked <laughs> number three, dot, 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 weapons. Now, they have various quotes from former colleagues of Milne's and Cummings, and presumably the former colleagues of Milne are all just like the people who, you know, his former colleagues who have no compunction about doing just kind of like bizarre frothing at the mouth tweets about how powerful and shadowy a figure he is. Yeah, I mean, they're people that are both former colleagues of Milne and give the time of day to Marie Leconte, sort of the Venn <laughs> diagram of people in that group. It's just really shit Guardian columnists. Yeah, I noticed that Hannah Jane Parkinson, who's really rubbish, <laughs> uh, she wrote that thing about oh, Kirk God. and their famous Nando's photo op. Was it time. not the photo of them all walking down the street as well? Like She was like, oh, girls' night out looks great. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she did multiple tweets slash think pieces yeah. about how how good Change UK were at PR. But oh, she yeah, was she like bigging up that. that Jess Phillips speech in Parliament that said obviously nothing of consequence. Right, so here's yeah. the bit I was looking for in the piece. It is tricky. Seamus has a bit of an air of menace about him, and brackets allegedly almost got in a fist fight at the Guardian once. The problem with that is there's so many people you wish it to be. <laughs> like, you think of someone and we'll go, oh, great, that would be brilliant, that would be amazing if that had happened, you know, I'd, I'd pay to see that. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, but that means it's not... That means like, he Rupert hasn't Myers, for sparked example, out you know? this other person. Well, I think yeah. Myers has only ever written freelance for The Guardian. But quite regularly. Yeah, And before... that would have been after Milne's time as well, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think they would have been in the same room together. But I can imagine Seamus just saying, that's it. I just will not share a workplace with Nick Cohen. Yeah, I mean, that's very much along the same lines as Rupert Myers. So in fact, it's a very good example. Or if, you know, Jonathan Friedland was just pestering him one day, like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, uh, Seamus, Seamus, where's Lebanon? And uh, <laughs> Seamus is just like, oh, fuck <laughs> off. And of course, we all know that Friedland's bones are those of a bird and that his skin is made of milk. And so he would have just disintegrated into a million pieces. <laughs> also famously, not a nice man. Not a nice man. He's a bad guy, Seamus. Yeah. 
Not a good guy. Not a good guy. Utterly disgusting subliminal nastiness. The one thing I've learned over the past six months or so is how shallow, facile and ill-informed many of the supposedly well-informed major commentators are in our media. They shape a debate that is baseless and narrow. Only the big negative today is Jonathan Friedland and The Guardian. Yeah. Jonathan Friedland article in The Guardian. Utterly disgusting subliminal nastiness. Whole lot of it, you know. Uh, he's not in a good way at all. There's a load of really, like, bizarre, just kind of, like, kind of unhinged, red-baiting kind of crap in here. Milne Mil Wood, of course, as one person who knows them both sees it, as a close friend of both Seamus Milne and Dominic Cummings' person, Milne would, of course, simply wait in his bunker until the aircraft ran out of bombs and then call in the Soviet tanks to roll in and crush Cummings and his acolytes. Classic. Yeah, I think he'd just punch him, to be honest, but okay, that works as well. <laughs> this quote must be from a Tory. Dom would unquestionably win. Milne is a communist. <laughs> <laughs> they can't dictate their own strategy for warfare. He'd have to consult the comrades and there'd be a committee. Dom is the polar opposite. He'd storm into the Politburo, armed to the teeth, and take them all out. And then he'd set about streamlining the Politburo's operational methodology. And then he'd write a 7,000-word blog about it, all while the bodies of his truly untrustworthy adversaries lay bleeding around him. <laughs> Fair play to them for finding a Tory who's been stuck in his own little world for so long he's not actually aware <laughs> of the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is... Is, the communists they're just not born winners man they're just born to lose what can you even say about that it tells you a lot more about Marie Lacan's contact book than it does <laughs> anything she's actually trying to write about as yeah, usual. Yeah, her contacts just seem like fucking weirdos. Anyway, let's go to the end of the piece and there's this little disclaimer at the end. Yes, since, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, since Seamus Milne and Dominic Cummings are both known for their wonderful self-deprecating sense of humour and easygoing approach to life we would like to clarify that this is all a joke and please don't sue what alternate world are Melts living in? This strange parallel universe where Seamus Milne sues anyone who says bizarre, unhinged shit about him um, in a public if, space. If he was to do that, then the prison overcrowding issue would be triple. You know, it, you would Shame. have to have. Oh, no, no. Seamus just advising Corbyn from the top of a big Mount Everest of money, yeah. just lying there on top of his cash, like. Uh, yes, Jeremy, literally dictating yeah. from the top of the mountain, <laughs> like, for Ten Commandments, for Milne Commandments. Just Seamus there, like, a Twitter user, Corbin underscore cronies with his three followers, has shared <laughs> that I am, in fact, in Putin's pocket. I think we should get him <laughs> locked up tonight. <laughs> I'm so tempted to click on the also read this. They've got a little now read pop up on this latter, and it's an article. Don't fall for it. Don't, which, don't which do it. It's a trap. Left to their own devices. You get it? Left to their own devices, and it's a picture ah. of Corbyn and Andrew Murray. 
the one hilarious joke headline format they have are left outside and fucking <laughs> what's left. Ah, ha, ha. They all have left in it. Ah. I, I got to say, I've still not forgiven out. Soft Left Twitter account left outside for his associations with with my enemies during the last electoral cycle. So, if you're listening, mate, I'm fucking on to you. I also wasn't a member of the podcast at the time, so I'm not actually <laughs> dragging these lads into it when I say you're a prick, mate. <laughs> so, I mean, Milnology is continuing to evolve into a grand and sprawling tradition. What else has been going on in the last few days, then? So, there, as well as Rob Flello... There have been other defections. Well, yeah, I mean, Luciana Berger was probably the highest profile one today. So there's, there's just this beautiful little brief excerpt from a, a Wikipedia page, which I believe, again, might be our friend, the data journalist, Mr. Richard Miller, has been involved mm. in... If anything, is sort of a, you could say he's both the left, Oliver Cam and James Ball. Yes, exactly. He's both. why we're winning, because you can just yeah. compare his, his incredible output, you know, out of sheer joy of it versus the actual professionals. Yeah, he serves up both the rigorous mm-hmm. data analysis and the mendacious, politically motivated Wikipedia edits. Yeah, so this, this has like a, a little three-line summary of on February 2019, and it just explains the original six defecting from Labour to the independent group, as it was at the time. Okay, so there's a little brief description of that. And then the best bit, in June 19, she left Change UK, the independent group, to sit as an independent MP. In July 2019... Berger was a founding member of a looser grouping of MPs called the Independents. In July 2019, a spokesman for Luciana Berger told the Liverpool Echo she had no intention of joining the Liberal Democrats. In September 2019, she joined the Liberal Democrats. (laughs) Everything fully sourced. It's just beautiful, you know, that's that's. The independents technically not a party, but effectively they are. They're a group and they act as one. Yeah, That's four parties in six months. You know. Um, well, the, the article was certainly right that the independents were a looser grouping. They they seem to be so loose, in fact, that they've got what like three of them left now, and one of whom's John Woodcock. Yeah, uh, and there's, there's four of them left now, but apparently okay. Angela Smith's about to join the Lib Dems. Exactly, that's what I've heard. And, 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 and then can I just say, like, Angela, Heidi Allen, Angela about Smith Heidi Allen joining a is conference. not liberal. Angela yeah. Smith is just like authoritarian New Labour, mm. like you know, asbos for two year olds. Really has an ideology, I don't think, but. Right, so if, if the rumours I've heard are correct that Angela Smith's going to defect and they're going to parade Heidi Allen as like the star defector at their conference, right? <laughs> that would leave the independents with just two members, John Woodcock and Gavin Shuka. And you'll, remember, <laughs> you'll remember that they are subjecting John Woodcock to their own independent investigation, apparently. <laughs> so this at that stage is literally going to be weird Gavin Shuka with his extremely odd homophobic <laughs> views and general big, odd right-wing crankery, sitting John Woodcock down and going like, did you do it, mate? No? Okay, offer a pint. Gavin Shooker, like Gavin Shooker probably thinks that a husband has like the right to bequeath their wife to a cow or something. I don't really want to know what... 
Gavin Shooker's <laughs> particular take on being a wife guy is. It's just bound to be weird. Um, <laughs> there have been tweets about what happened to his own marriage and why it fell apart. I don't know the truth of them, but I understand that Gavin doesn't really have the backing of the local religious community that played a big part in organising and helping him get selected and elected as an MP in the first place. Oh, that's a about, shame. Since about the time he divorced his wife. <laughs> the City um, Life Church in Luton it is. I brought up Emily Thornberry. So, I've seen a line about Emily Thornberry coming from a particular political tradition, by which I refer to the soft left. <laughs> now, like, Emily We love Thorn- you really, lads. Send us your wallets. Yeah. <laughs> Emily Thornberry, to you or I, may seem weak on foreign policy. She may seem to be somebody who concedes too much to the right-wing side of things. Although she's essentially been from a left-wing point of view on her best behaviour, because obviously her boss is Jeremy Corbyn, there's just always the kind of thing where Thornbury will go off and be a little bit more equivocal on Venezuela and opposing a coup over there, or a little bit kind of too, well, quite a lot too uncritical towards Israel. Sure. However, I've noticed that there seems to be like a genuine consensus among the admittedly quite small soft left that she is like Bashar al-Assad's number one supporter in the UK or something. I think it is just to keep off Oz's shit list, isn't it? <laughs> just, just so you don't get him in your mentions like, you fucking yeah. fascist or sadist. They're trying to run a respectable podcast over here, thanks very much. We don't want this guy <laughs> screaming at us because <laughs> Mir Khalifa's blocked him or something. <laughs> so I did a bit of digging, by which I mean I asked in a group DM about why people on the soft left, including personal friends of mine, I should add, think that Thornbury is just unacceptably pro-Assad. <laughs> This is an article by The Guardian's diplomatic editor, Patrick Wintour, who was political editor. But then I think he kind of felt there seemed to be... The Guardian higher-ups seemed to maybe think that he didn't know what he was talking about uh, anymore in the sort of... The Corbyn era. Um, They promote him, that's normally what happens. Yeah, I know. Generally, they hire somebody because they don't know what they're talking about. But he actually seemed to get shunted out of Westminster to uh, being diplomatic editor. It turns out that what Thornbury said was in an interview with Prospect magazine, she said that Bashar al-Assad has a greater depth and breadth of support than is recognised in the West. Yeah, that's a a statement, isn't it? Like, (laughs) 
Yeah, that's like, hardly like a moral statement of your position. That's not her saying like, and well, he should the titan of politics, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because you see, that... he is the absolute boy. <laughs> Thornbury is quoted as saying, "There is an argument that if Assad had been as overwhelmingly unpopular as the rebels told the West at the outset, then he wouldn't be there." I think there has been a depth and breadth of support for Assad that has been underestimated. So it sounds to me there like rather than endorsing Assad in any way, she's trying to actually reckon with the fact that he continues to have support from people in his own country. Yeah, which and what, I mean, what challenges that poses to any sort of position you're taking on it. Yeah, yeah. you see that a bit with the Seamus Milne thing. To go back to that, Mr. Seamus Milne, you always get <laughs> Mr. people. Sh- Mr. Seamus Milne. If they ever do go into any depth about why they hate him, why they think he's such a nasty, shadowy figure, and so on, yeah. one of the things they always cite is that he's pro-Stalin. He's a Stalinist. You know, he's explicitly a Stalinist guy. He's defended Stalin in print in a national newspaper. And you look it up and it's like a similar comment to that. He's basically <laughs> said that if you look at Russia in the Stalin years, there was good and bad about it. The, some of the stuff they did worked. And that, because it's not an unequivocal condemnation of Stalin as a Hitler-style monster of all time of history, that means you love Stalin and that you are pro-Stalinist and you are explicitly trying to rehabilitate his reputation. As The words don't match that yeah and i think that milne has always recognized stuff that is very uncomfortable for liberal pundits in the west such as the fact that a lot of people in russia and eastern europe to this day have a very high opinion of stalin as polls consistently show and also that the equivalence of stalin and the soviet union with hitler and nazi germany has become one of the trademark rhetorical techniques of the far right. Again, particularly in Eastern Europe, where there's more pro-Stalin sentiment for them to be fighting against. It's also extremely popular with libertarian bowtie dipshits in the entire Western world. That is one of their big (laughs) go-tos, you know? Or... 60 million died because of communism and then you have the same argument with them six months later 100 million died because of stalinism and then you have the same one communism killed more people than have ever lived on the surface of the planet yeah this stuff tends to function as a kind of nazi apologia basically it it downplays their crimes how many people has capitalism killed right Mm. yeah yeah they all roll into whatever dodgy figures they're doing if they elaborate at all on them they're always rolling in people who they think died preventable deaths because of communism or because of the actions of communist governments and well absolutely if you're doing that you've got to do the same with other systems in which case i maybe it doesn't look great for a lot of major communist governments but looks a hell of a lot worse for capitalism as a system because of the consistency <laughs> like with slavery. which human suffering has been perpetuated. Well, and, the, it, and, and the contrast of the fucking luxury that people live in in capitalist countries. The inequality is one of the oh, most yeah. repugnant mm. things about capitalism. On this very subject, in fact, of Seamus Milne <clears throat> and nuanced positions being taken as a kind of endorsement and of the false equivalence between Soviet Union and Nazi Germany, Can I actually read a little short extract from an interview that our friend Joe Kennedy conducted with none other than Mr. Seamus Milne for The Quietus in 2012? This was when Seamus Milne released his second, I believe what was his second book, The Revenge of History, which of course refers to 
Francis Fukuyama's famous essay on the end of history. And obviously what Seamus was saying was, well, that was a bit premature, wasn't it? And history has really come back to bite those who declared (laughs) things kind of settled in the arse. So Joe asks Mr. Milne, who, by the way, Joe says was absolutely lovely to interview, not some kind of Dominic Cummings-style fucking lout at all. You talk quite often about how there's a kind of right-wing trolling, Joe says, that takes the form of things like efforts to equate the Soviet Union with Nazi Germany. Historians like Niall Ferguson, do they really believe what they say? And Seamus says, Niall Ferguson is also an apologist for empire. Him and Andrew Roberts. I think they believe it. But a lot of these arguments about history are not really about history, but about the present and about the future. The reason why they defend empire and the historical record of the British Empire, the gigantic barbarities, the racist despotism, is not really because of the British Empire, but because they want to give legitimacy and credibility to the modern attempts to impose a form of imperial power and control, in the Muslim world in particular, but all across Mm. the developing world. I think that in itself is an incredibly pertinent answer, but specifically on the Nazi Germany and Soviet Union conflation, Milne says... Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth there. Yeah. It's in relation to the attempts to equate Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. My view is that that is strongly connected with an attempt to show that any move to change society fundamentally is bound to lead to disaster. It's not really about the past or about the Soviet Union. It's about saying if you try to go down this route of thinking there might be an alternative to capitalism, you'll only end up in bloodshed and horror. I think that's why they want to do that. And that's why I think it's also important to have that argument, understand what was positive in those societies and what was negative. What was a disaster and what was a success? Yeah. yeah. There's not much you can argue with there at all. You know, if uh, I think that just sounds like a... F- full endorsement of Stalin to me actually yeah he, yeah. Loves Stalin. Argue. he particularly yeah. likes his, his yeah. cute moustache that's what he's saying there. That's, that's <laughs> he doesn't actually guy. mention Assad in there but this is clearly an Assadist perspective yeah yeah that's <laughs> unequivocal a typical Assadist line yeah <laughs> it's just textbook Assadist techniques yeah, like, yeah they, don't they always need say to things like that him. they say that they say please leave me alone they say <laughs> stop harassing me from alts Oz. all the lines that these people these, these bo- probably bots you know let's face it they just keep using you know that's a bit creepy Oz why did you write that weird article in Vice look you can say these things all you like but it doesn't it doesn't justify what Assad is doing out there and and the the lives he's harming yeah totally Um, thank you Oz you truly are the best new addition to our show we could have asked for we're taking on the Assadists like we never have before yeah I'm um... giving you the thumbs up and so are my handlers (laughs) (laughs) so I really like that first paragraph where Seamus says that the reason that these people defend empire and the historical record of the British Empire is not about history it's about today and it's about the future so this is seen in this kind of revisionist history that you get the most abject shitheads trying to throw at Corbyn like Twill Dunn's famous article on uh, I say famous it was you know (laughs) another post on Twill Dunn's medium blog where he rants about his mum supporting Corbyn and (laughs) and and like attacks old men for supporting Corbyn and you know fucking Harry Leslie Smith 
died in the war. Like maybe not verbatim what his post about Harry Leslie Smith was, but <laughs> no, that, that is basically how, word for word. Certainly how <laughs> I interpreted it. Anyway, most people have tried to put forth this stupid bullshit argument that oh well you know corbyn didn't actually single-handedly end apartheid therefore he deserves no credit for opposing (laughs) apartheid when the british government was supporting it and it's like well unless you really do believe in the great man of history (laughs) no shit he didn't (laughs) single-handedly solve apartheid and was just a cog in a massive machine that included activists all over the globe not least black south africans but that argument is fucking stupid and reactionary enough in itself but twill dunn actually to his credit had the balls to go further and say that in fact not only was corbyn not a determining factor in winning the fight against apartheid but also his anti-apartheid activism was actually bad. <laughs> so full credit <laughs> to Twill Dunn. He did this whole post about how Corbyn was hanging out with the most extreme wing of the anti-apartheid movement. And it's like, well, <laughs> it was still the anti-apartheid movement, wasn't it, Twill Dunn? I mean, um, if we're looking at the anti-apartheid movement in its totality, taking into account the entire time, you know, not just that particular era he's talking about, I can think of some more extreme wings that yeah. were <laughs> included some <laughs> some very, very pivotal figures to end in apartheid. Yeah, yeah, that, that, well, that's true, in fact. The most famous one himself. <laughs> right. um, you know, Mandela himself did things that in a liberal democracy would be very much frowned upon but it wasn't in the context of a liberal democracy and that's such a bullshit hand-wringing liberal thing to just be attacking a progressive movement by proxy by saying over people in the rally are cranks whatever it's real hand-wringing pathetic pseudo-liberalism but really just kind of reactionary stuff isn't it that whole thing of like you know the all well thing about how leftists don't wear shoes or whatever oh no i couldn't hang out the left wing thing because they're weird they're not normal people this means that i can't support this cause which i know is right or uh, i suppose most of them don't think slash know it's right i think maybe some of them might have known at the start instinctively but they've built up so much of a belief system on oh they're fucking left i don't want anything to do with them yeah that it's become real for them that actually yeah the iraq war was good and a success and and all these sheeple don't understand Have you ever read that fucking John Farrelly book, Things Can Only Get Better? It's so smug. It's just literally like, I was young, I was middle class, but you know, I was a lefty. How funny is that? And then I went to these left-wing rallies and people there, they had weird signs and they were singing songs and I got really embarrassed and thought, hmm, maybe left-wing politics isn't so good after all. And I'm like... (laughs) What attracted John O'Farrelly to the left in the first place? If it is just all about... These people are... They're so self-conscious, you know? Their politics seem to really be based in a kind of... A self-perception. If they see it as a bit naff, 
then they're just kind of like, oh, well, I can't, I can't have anything to do with that. And you get the sense that often it is just because they disagree with the left-wing causes and support the reactionary ones, yeah. and the NAF yeah. thing is just an excuse. There's this whole element of, well, of course I'm naturally on the left, but I just can't quite get on with all the people on the left and all the left-wing positions they hold. Oh, they're all Other eating vegetarian that, you know, I'm, sandwiches. I'm actually more radical than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, John O'Farrelly, like, not a fan of Corbyn. You'll be pleased to know. He wrote, in fact, a sequel two things can only get better i think it might be called something like things can never get better uh, or, or um <laughs> things can only get worse that would be or... the most accurate centrist book title of all well time. exactly <laughs> yeah i think maybe he did really embrace centrist pessimism in his follow-up book to that but i haven't read it because i got halfway through the first book and it made me so angry because it was just all <laughs> this like hacky thing of like oh i'm on the left isn't being on the left really stupid eh 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 <laughs> You know those people who What's believe in something? Weirdos. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he went on to be like a Have I Got News For You writer or whatever, you know. I right? think he'd been reasonably successful comedy writer when he brought the books out, so yeah. reflecting. But it says it all, really. It's just the comedy of his perception of something. I'm referencing the perception of this thing. Yeah. You recognise the reference, now laugh. You know, mm. it's just fucking so low effort. It's such an easy living for people once they're in. I got big hints of kind of a proto-Matt Ford in the John O'Farrelly book. Matt Ford had a show at the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Our friend Simon Monk often has very good takes on stuff, Mm -hmm. but it was Simon who added Matt Ford to say, Matt, who paid for all the millions of posters you had at Edinburgh? I said MI5, but the lads are all absolutely insistent it was the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's not just this year obviously I live in Glasgow most years I pop over to Edinburgh for the day meet up with my dad who comes over from Dundee it's something we've done since we moved to Scotland we just go and see some stand up and the last at least two years possibly three Matt Ford's ridiculous head has been everywhere it was like any flat surface anywhere remotely central in Edinburgh <laughs> giant they're not like little flyers they're not regular sized posters He's fucking everywhere. Um, it's, well, you, you used to see it when you'd go there. There'd be hundreds of comedians of various level of fame, varying sort of levels of posters sure. and flyers and that. And then there'd be like a handful of big names that were paying like two nights and they'd have like the big Ricky Gervais posters everywhere and all this stuff. Maybe people like Bill Bailey when he was quite big. But for some reason now, that's like Matt Ford and just Matt Ford <laughs> and you can't go anywhere without seeing this you'd think if you're like an American tourist and you've come to the Edinburgh Festival 10 years ago and then you've come back now you're like this guy Matt Ford he must be massive you know he must be like a celebrity on TV all the time yeah you know, he's had his own TV show it doesn't really get no, no it's on Dave it's not really <laughs> TV is it I mean come on <laughs> Dave his show had the house band had Greg Knight in it <laughs> Was it? It was just MP4, wasn't it? The band of like Mel MPs from across the political spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I've never watched an episode of it. I never will. Hey, don't you know Greg Knight's been working hard for you? Hey, don't you know? I thought I knew the the other line of the two lines in the Greg Knight song. Uh, Been working hard for. East Yorkshire, Yorkshire too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think, Every yeah. time you think 
previously played that in your podcast, which is a couple of occasions. <laughs> it's been stuck in my head for about three months afterwards. Well, he had so I'm going to insist you leave that in the edit so that we can subject all our hated listeners to that. He had more than one. He had the Greg Knight's Been Working Hard For You song, and then he had one which was just like... Maybe they were the same song, but I don't actually think so. But he had one which was just like this Seinfeld-style slap bass thing. Greg Knight! (laughs) Something like that. And it had like literally the same groove as one of the songs on that Wilco-slash-Billy-Bragg collaboration from the late 90s. Somebody just tweeted something about Emily Formbury saying something really bad on Question Time, but I don't know what. However, I'm going to use this as a segue into the final part of my argument that Emily Formbury may not be my cup of tea, but she's not bad in the way that the soft left say she is. So, Pending whatever she said on Question Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, really she bad. may be bad in, in the way that... Podcast. She may be <laughs> bad in the way that Gay Lexit 69 or whoever it was just tweeted. I do trust that person. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of ways in which you could reasonably say she's bad. But yeah. they're not the ways the right wing or even some of the, the stuff left have weirdly taken on. So basically, Bob from Broccoli, friend of the show, who uh, <laughs> y- you said, I don't even know if I read this bit in our Harry's Place episode, but I found this so funny when I read it initially. Yeah, Bob from Broccoli, who Geraint said, you know, in, in a previous episode, oh, he's not so bad, you know, he's still a tosser. But Really bad when he's bad. He's just sometimes has a bit of context for his shit, basically, which <laughs> yeah. makes him the best of those tossers. Okay, so it's a long list of reasons that Chris Williamson is bad. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't give a fuck. Like, fuck Chris Williamson. He's a shit MP. Yeah, he's made an absolute dog's dinner of what could have been a promising parliamentary career. And he's now going heavily and very quickly down the George Galloway route. Yeah, yeah. He oh, he said something really, like, shite the other day. I can't remember what exactly it was. But, yeah, not good. And he abstained on one of the key votes the other day, I think. Yes. But anyway, one of the things that Bob from Broccoli gets really het up about Chris Williamson is that Chris Williamson did a lot of campaigning against that integrity initiative thing, which I mean, seemed pretty dodgy to me. Did, yeah. Isn't it a Scottish-based think tank? And isn't it funded with... Which receives some UK government funding, Bob from Broccoli says. Was it so, not some mad old fucking colonel running it? That uh, <laughs> was involved in the campaign to stop a right-wing colonel called Pedro Banos from being appointed a national security advisor in Spain. If our friends at GCHQ are listening, I just guessed the rank. I didn't actually remember that. <laughs> that obsessed with you, please stop monitoring me as well. Thanks. This is very confusing. Why was this think tank trying to stop the colonel getting appointed in Spain? Why would a UK think tank 
be concerning itself with such an issue. But anyway, mm, Bob from yeah. Broccoli claims weird. that after Sputnik apparently... Uh, sorry, he says after Russia apparently hacked the think tank, Williamson picked up the story from Russian media outlets like Sputnik. He claimed integrity initiatives, involvement constituted foreign interference in Spanish politics, a meme Russia promotes because it muddies the water over the intervention in the Trump election and Brexit re- referendum. Thanks, Bob, for that explanation. Um, Bob from Broccoli then calls this Banos guy a weird crank, which, yeah, sounds about right. He says it's in the David Icke mode. What I was trying to say there is that Bob from Broccoli is a weird crank. He says that the guy is suspiciously obsessed with Jewish financiers like the Rothschilds and Soros and is a strong supporter of the Kremlin. All in all, serious liability as a national security advisor. Williamson became so obsessed with the case that he asked question after question in Parliament. Anyway, that's just the context. This is dangerous because Williamson has an influence on the Labour Party. So he acts as a gateway between the Kremlin, social media (laughs) wingnuts, and the political mainstream in the form of Emily Thornberry. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely got the ear of Emily Thornberry all the time, known for their political alliance. Bob from Broccoli continues by citing a highly trusted source. Here's Paul Canning breaking it down. Paul Canning is the weird pro-war dude whose picture is the kid from Home Alone, and he gets retweeted by Mike Gapes and people. Not to be confused with Stephen Canning, the weird sort of young Tory activist who committed identity fraud on his own ex-girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) But that's just basically, you know, no one really needs to hear what Paul Canning says, but I just find that... Do these guys never, like, take a step back for a second and realise that they spend 90% of their time attacking cranks and conspiracy theorists while also saying Chris Williamson acts as a gateway between the Kremlin and the political mainstream in the form of Emily Thornberry? And by the way, the Thornberry connection is that she apparently retweeted something about the integrity initiative attacking Corbyn not being good. Right, okay. So obviously when the integrity initiative thing hit the news, there were a lot of people on my timeline talking about it. I don't know if there were grant contingents taking different lines on it, but the general concern that I saw, and which would be my concern about the integrity initiative as well, was the number of journalists that were involved that were either (laughs) on that leaked list that were essentially seen as that group's assets or that were paid to speak at events of theirs. People were challenging people like David Aranovich and James Ball, so they're not really fussy about quality, getting these people to speak at their meetings and then whenever people were questioning it, they were like, oh, we just happened to give a speech at this group I'd never heard of before. There's nothing suspicious about that. Why should we question it? And you can pair that with the same people, in some cases literally the same people, in James Ball's case I'm talking about here, right? Yeah. How they reacted to, for example, Judas when Jeremy Corbyn attended one of their events. Uh, ah, yeah. How they were talking Mm. about this fairly loose but well established collective of radical left wing grassroots Jewish people, predominantly young people. And they were just going mad and sharing Guido Fawkes hit pieces about them that weren't even mentioning the fact that they were Jewish. Yeah. So that is sinister, the existence of this group, whereas an actual paid and well funded pseudo think tank but operating even more shady than a lot of these groups, just openly paying journalists to represent their causes. 
That's completely yeah. fine. That's on the up and up. What sort yeah. of prank yeah. are you to even question that? Bob from Broccoli concludes this section of his anti-William piece by saying, Williamson's parliamentary questions about the Integrity Initiative are essentially being asked on behalf of President Putin, which is kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am so scared right now. I, for one, I'm absolutely shitting it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's enough for like the critical support for Emily Thornberry section of the show. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's probably enough for that section of the show forever. What else do we want to talk about then? Because like, obviously we've ripped on liberals a lot today and journalists and the Conservative government is kind of falling apart. Yaya messaged me earlier and said, what did you say, Yaya, to me? I think I summarized it as yeah the tory party is imploding is that right you know <laughs> yeah you messaged me saying oh, i yeah. think i'm up to date on the news the tories are essentially imploding yes <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> you got a good handle on it i think yeah yeah First so day, yeah joe johnson Boris oh, sorry, yeah. 21 ministers didn't he not ministers but mps yeah 21 they, mps they, yeah, yeah, sorry. Taking yeah, the whip. I'm so jealous of the great Tory purge. <laughs> yeah. Being able to kick out 20 plus of your worst, internally your biggest wreckers, yeah. immediately before a potential election. If you yeah. transpose that situation to the Labour Party, that would be Lionel Hutz dreaming of all the people of the world skipping around in a circle. <laughs> gif. You know, that <laughs> dream. Mr. Hutz, when I grow up, I want to be a lawyer just like you. Good for you, son. If there's one thing America needs, it's more lawyers. Can you imagine a world without lawyers? Oh. Like, you know, you'd be like, right, Neil Coyle, gone. You could just draw up a list where street and gone. You could have the greatest yeah. hits. I'm no Jess Phillips, so I personally, I do not shed any tears when Tories fuck over other Tories. I think yeah. it's a beautiful <laughs> thing to behold. And, and I, was I literally hate just like movies laughing living. and applauding when I was watching movies. <laughs> just, yeah. I was like, yes, Boris, yes. But, no, I'm not really like that. Not but, yes, Boris, um, but yeah, give a give back some all. <laughs> Who on the left should not be delighted to see Philip Hammond put in an uncomfortable position? Mm. That man is fucking to the right of Boris Johnson on the economy. But People like Jack, Philip Hammond. He might now have to stand against the party he loves, the party he's given <gasps> his whole life to, just to make sure he gets an incredibly generous pension instead of a pretty generous pension. <laughs> incredibly difficult situations we put these people, these people, these workers, because MPs are workers, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Consider their rights, please. Who are the Tory MPs who've been kicked out? One of them was Churchill's Weird. grandson, huh? Oh, yeah, Good Nicholas riddance. Soames. God, the oh, other yeah. night the I was watching a I was watching a film and I just had Twitter open on the computer in front of me while the film was on the TV and I just left Twitter on like a picture of Nick Soames's appalling like <laughs> hollowed out ghastly ghoul face. I was just like, I cannot look at this man with his cheeks like hanging down to his fucking balls. Like it's just a ugh, just a dis- ugh. I'd kick him out of the party just for being hideous. I mean, he's been in Parliament forever, right? Okay, he's been around, I was going to say as long as I've been alive. That I don't think is actually true. No, no, he, he has actually been in Parliament longer than I've been alive. He's famous basically for two things. For being related to Winston Churchill and yeah. for Harry Hill in the mid-late 90s when he was good doing a sketch about a chart-style countdown of the celebrities with the biggest faces. 
<laughs> Soames and his big fat face at number one. So every time, every single time I've seen him on TV, I've seen him on fucking Twitter, I have seen his name in or on as a byline on any written piece he's ever done. I've just instinctively got Stufa the weird blue cat puppet sidekick from the Harry Hill show in the nineties going, He got a big face. Right. So at this point, he hasn't even got that big a face anymore because he's he's quite old, you know. He's he's quite drawn, but yeah. morally, he's got a big face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I was saying about his face looking kind of hollowed out, kind of harrowing, really. Just, 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 just terrible to look at. It doesn't. You can tell look it was that. once a big face, and now once it's no longer. <laughs> it's almost like he's quite fitting for a relative of Churchill and the sort of the pro-Churchill contingent. You know, a great oh, the, the founder of the Scout look, movement. It's the quite little, fitting. He, the his, little his face. streaks of hair across his yeah. bald head as well. Like he should just, you know, gapes. Manages to have more dignity than that. You know, yeah, like he's, he's the the some of his face has mirrored the British Empire. During the last, <laughs> during the, the last few yeah. decades of his life, it's in irreversible decline now. I've just posted a picture career. of Nicholas Soames's face on Twitter with just the caption "boo." <laughs> <laughs> I looked at a thread by Alex Wickham because I figure he's usually Why? got the scoop, hasn't he? He's yeah. got he's like the best connected when it comes to briefing stories that are uncomfortable for the Tory party. Being a massive Tory himself, presumably, he's linked up with anyone who wants to give the press a quote. So I found a tweet by him, but it's from two days ago, so it's already out of date, I think, saying who the... Oh, Dominic Grieve has just left his Conservative Association executives WhatsApp group. He says, warmest thanks to all for many years of friendship and support. Farewell, exile beckons, Dominic. Dominic Grieve left. <laughs> Farewell, exile beckons. It's such like the penguin in that Werner Herzog film walking out into the mountains, <laughs> you know. I'm just going out. I may be some time. Yeah. <laughs> Rory Stewart's gone. His profile's been at an all-time high in the last few months, so that's a bit of a scalp. Who, like who will speak for Liberal? Gonna, he's just going to quit politics now, and he's going to... Maybe he'll return to his previous career, you know? Uh, he's a professional hiker, <laughs> <What>? of course. <laughs> As the protagonist in the John McCarry novel. Yeah, I know, it's very sad about Rory Stewart. Like, who will speak for Liberal Britain now? Ken Clark's <laughs> gone. Yeah, Ken Clark, of course, who truly embodying liberal Britain was Margaret Thatcher's chancellor and a lobbyist for big tobacco. Yeah, he's retiring to spend more time with tobacco firms. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a real shame that we never got that national unity government concerned with the real issues facing people, such as getting logos back on packs of cigarettes. Yeah, exactly. It's important. It's so strange when you've got all the liberal second referendum centrists absolutely in lockstep with who they love and what they support with the Adam Smith Institute. There's <laughs> <laughs> so some names on this, man. Sir Oliver Letwin, welcome to the resistance. This yeah. is a guy who's mostly famous because he would go out for a jog and take all his constituents' letters with him that they'd sent him and just like put them in public bins. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, I was just... And also for being massively racist as yeah, well, actually, which so... is probably more significant again. I mean, I think that liberal Britain has suffered a real blow, what with the departure of Oliver Letwin from the Conservative Parliamentary Party. 
Because, of course, I mean, with, with kicking Oliver Letwin out of a Conservative Party, they've now lost such uh, brilliant one-nation liberal conservative ideas, such as black entrepreneurs will set up in the disco and drug trade. These refurbished council blocks will decay through vandalism combined with neglect. People will graduate from temporary training or employment programs into unemployment or crime that black people in urban neighborhoods have bad moral attitudes. Riots, criminality, and social disintegration are caused solely by individual characters. <laughs> solely by individual solely. characters and attitudes. That's pure Tory, man. It, man. Fucking hell. That's the most Tory thing I've ever heard. So long as bad moral attitudes remain, all efforts remain. See, he was trumpeting the cause even back then. All efforts to improve the inner cities will founder. He also stated that white people do not riot. He wrote, <laughs> lower class unemployed Tulsa? white people lived for years in appalling slums without a breakdown of public order on anything like the present scale because uh, he wrote this at the time of the Brixton riots so his position is basically the slums are good the people living in them not so good like <laughs> yeah. what sort of fucking Tory solution to social deprivation is that man <laughs> fucking hell. yeah I mean, he says in the midst of depression, people in Brixton went out leaving their grocery money in a bag at the front door and expecting to see groceries when they got back. It's literally just that thing. They're like, oh, we used to all have our doors open in the old days. I mean, he fucking probably lived in some sort of gated community. It might be strictly true for himself. Just leave your bag of money at the front door next to your guard with a rifle. There was no crime back in my day when the fucking Cray brothers ran half of London. (laughs) Crime racket. It's great. You could leave Uh, your door open and you just had to pay a bit of protection money every month. He also stated that the root of social malaise is not poor housing or youth alienation or a lack of a middle class. So, basically... Basically, that social problems do not cause social unrest (laughs) and that there should be no positive discrimination in any new programmes. And then in 2015, when those documents surfaced, yeah, December 2015, Mr. Letwin apologised unreservedly and admitted parts of his private memo to Margaret Thatcher were, and I quote, badly worded and wrong. But yeah, this guy was up until like the other day still a conservative MP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's well, he's always been framed whenever he fucks up like this, like with a constituents' mail. Anything he does, it's always framed as ah, he's brilliant but eccentric, and he lacks concentration. And he messes up a bit, but he's got such a brain. No, he fucking hasn't. <laughs> It's just he takes ridiculous fringe positions from the bigger cranks that write for The Spectator over the years and states them with a bit more confidence and authority. That's not actually intellectual strength. Yeah, That's just being a guy on the fast track to doing well in the Conservative Party. Another one on the list is Sam Guimard who I think confirmed in advance of the vote that he had decided to vote against the government. Now, he's my local MP out here in Surrey, which I think is a very Brexity area. I always thought that he was very much on the far right of the Conservative Party because his tenure as universities minister was all just like, hey, let's invite fascists to debates and stuff. (laughs) But he seems to have kind of come out on the no no deal side and i think this is possibly because he was recently deselected 
by my local conservative association and now really has nothing to lose. I I will say it was great fun joining my local conservative association, so I finally got to deselect somebody after four years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joining the Tories, this is the standard clarification, but something I've said in the show is a joke and it may contravene the Labour rules, but it didn't actually happen, so please don't suspend me. It's a shame because I think they would have been glad to have you back. <laughs> We've got Guto Beb on there, which oh, yeah. is, it looks like a name, but it's actually just what you hear back if you ask Jess Phillips, who her favourite member of the Super Furry Animals is. <laughs> Tweeted that joke at least three times. I think that's the first time anyone's laughed or reacted. I, I got it. I know. I know. I know, I know they have. Let it rest now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll explain it to you. So Super Furry <laughs> Animals uh, are a Welsh band, and they've got a member who's called Guto. And Jess Phillips is from Birmingham, so she calls everyone Bab. So you see, Guto Bab, uh, okay. like. Yeah. <laughs> that's the mark of a good joke when it has to be explained in that detail for essentially a two-word joke. Well, the that's good when thing I know is... I've really nailed it. <laughs> when somebody makes a joke on the show that its meaning is a little bit ambiguous, people in the audience might not get it. Just explain it to Yair, and then our audience won't <laughs> feel like their intelligence has been insulted. <laughs> that's what I'm here for, right? Yeah, who cares if Yair feels his intelligence has been insulted? Yeah. Either that or they will still think their intelligence has been insulted and they'll also be wondering why we're being a dick to our (laughs) (laughs) co-host I think people know that Yair is just kind of like he doesn't use Twitter he's kind of a bit kind of on the periphery of things if you know what I mean. I'm the hermit Yeah and you don't know what the name of everyone in a band is called and stuff like that yeah, I'm so bad at names. <laughs> There's a guy on this list called Steve Brine, and it says he's a yeah. former health minister. That's not a real person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, if he's a former health minister, I'd have heard of him, and Steve Brine is like the most made-up Willie Justice. <laughs> Fucking, oh, the Labour Party will never recover from this last name I've ever <laughs> Steve Brine. Really? <laughs> Yeah, like, Brian, it was one of the things I thought of a joke, and I was just like, it's not a good joke, I won't make it. Anyway, so, um, yeah, Steve Brian, not a real person. (laughs) (laughs) Who else have we got? Just some cunts, really. Let's skip the Tory rebels. So, basically, it seems like a significant amount of Tories are going to get purged before we get to purge anyone from the Labour Party, and I'm so annoyed by this. I'm so jealous of the Tories right now. (laughs) I think it's probably a strategic misstep what they've done but I also kind of think Corbyn should have done it in 2016 yeah sure yeah <laughs> with hindsight even more so all the cucks <laughs> yeah like all, I mean, all the there pricks. was a solid we list let... of about <laughs> they were clearly going to betray the party and we let them run for us at the last well they were election. already when they were in the party they were oh, exactly. against them every day yeah for, like out of all the people you could pretty much have said Chucker Gate Berger, Leslie, Angela Smith. Yeah, okay, that these are probably the people. 
Yeah, uh, well, yeah, there was Anatoly. A solid of about 40 wreckers, like proper yeah. wreckers. That's come down a bit now through defectors, through people who've stepped down. So many of them have the left the party. Sector. But it's just but, disgraceful that we let so many like, of these bursters jump before they were pushed, you know? There's people in that have been trying to rat fuck the entire project since 2015 and they're likely still going to be standing as candidates in the next election be it a few weeks be it towards the end of the year you know it's ridiculous i guess here's a question do we want an election right now i say yes to be honest i I can see some of the logic of let's achieve this first and then have an election I can't really. I can't yeah. wrap my head around it. I, mean, I just keep trying to comprehend. If the they think there's a very short-term chess. route to taking no deal off the table and then focus entirely on forcing an election, then okay. But I don't know if that's gonna happen. I don't know. Yeah, if... they need to take it, man. It's every fucking day for the last two years. We, we've we been need like, this let's Tory have an election. To end. Yeah. Yeah, and then Boris offers us one and we just vote against historic missed opportunity. Yeah, there's got to be one coming down the line fairly soon. A big Labour push to get a no-confidence vote and to get one very soon. Otherwise, (laughs) it will backfire. Yeah. Yeah. It's a short-term strategy to try and get some I mean, just people are dying every day as a result of Tory inaction. Yeah. Action in many cases. And, yeah, we just need to get them gone. We've got to get one soon. And the way the benefit system's being managed, particularly with regards to disability is justification yeah. in yeah. itself to turf this government out. Yeah, and like the immigration system is an outrage as well. I don't think Labour's policy on immigration is even that good, but it wouldn't be the brutal and inhumane kind <laughs> yeah. of performatively in that area, evil. pure damage limitation because we unfortunately haven't got our own policies there yet where they need to be. But, then... you know, they're going to fucking close y'all's wood. They're going to shut down those detention centres and there won't be stuff like Windrush. Like, literally, how can people say that this government can stay in power a minute longer after something like Windrush. It's outrageous. Yeah. This rhetorical turn from liberals towards a general election won't solve anything has been one of the most pernicious anti-democratic mm. moves that I've ever seen yeah. in this country because yes. what didn't resolve anything was the last election. I mean, I'm, I, I don't. I think it was overall a good thing, but it didn't resolve things it created more contradictions more issues to be fought out and this attempt to just put it off put the next opportunity to actually undo the mess that things were left in by the way i think this mess was better than what was before but nonetheless a political mess that we were left with in 2017 to just basically push it further and further back until Labour lose their, lose all the momentum, pun intended, that they had last time. That seems to be what it's about for me, and I think that's just been mm. unbelievably pernicious. Just this petulant thing of, like, no, we need to have a parliamentary stalemate where there's no yeah. real government, no policies, no majority... We actually can just afford to keep this how it is while people are fucking suffering under the yoke of the policies that the Tories have been continually pushing since 2010 in government. And it's an outrageous kind of attack on democracy, how it's effectively slipped into consensus that we can afford to let these fuckers stay in power another fucking day. 
It's outrageous. I mean, quite rightly, as you say, yeah, there's no real clear majority. It's an absolute shambles of a government, if you can even call it a government. But because it's fucking Corbyn, they will fuck the country if it means that they can smugly gloat that they've kept Jeremy Corbyn out of power. We can Um, see how many of the sort of our second referendum now people's vote sort of contingent where they've been obsessed with this for years is all they want. And now suddenly when it's coming towards the crunch of, right, what are we actually going to do to stop Brexit because it's happening in a few weeks? Well, we'd like to stop it, but we'd really like to make sure Jeremy Corbyn doesn't become Prime Minister. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's not all of them, but it's enough of them that it really shines a particular light on their movement, that the whole thing was essentially we knew it anyway but that it was essentially just a long extended tantrum there was that thing the other day where literal former conservative minister conservative peer sometime real politic listener lord daniel finkelstein <laughs> published an article in a tory paper saying that he would take no deal under a tory government over jeremy corbyn because, and these were his stated reasons, Corbyn's views on foreign policy and economics. And Aditya Chakrabarti said, Tory doesn't want redistribution, or something like that. <laughs> and of course, Aditya being one of the few mildly left-wing commentators in the British media, of course, The Guardian have got rid of Dawn Foster now and everything, so they can make more yeah. room for, I believe, the deputy editor of The Spectator, among others. And of course, Paul the, Mason the representing the left. Well, brilliantly. Really, they're the beating heart of the left. <laughs> but yeah, so Aditya said yes. that. And then naturally, him being one of the few left-wingers in the press, there was a concerted attack on him from... All of Helen yeah, Lewis's friends it's a yeah. as old as twitter i think there's a kind of mutual blocking thing that i've got on with most of turf twitter so i don't know if uh <laughs> lewis's acolytes such as sarah ditton or caroline criado perez or all those up those monsters i don't know if they were joining in but james ball certainly did helen lewis herself certainly did and i believe rupert myers yes of course he did yeah <laughs> yeah rupert myers definitely the person to be calling out commentators for problematic behaviour and views. And they were all but saying like, he was anti-Semitic and of course Finkelstein mentioned anti-Semitism nowhere in his article and yes Danny Finkelstein is Jewish and he may well have concerns about Corbyn yeah. and what his power might mean for Jewish people. However he is also a conservative politician who holds conservative right. views and possibly disagrees with the Labour leader for those reasons, which were indeed the reasons he stated in his piece. Also had a long, long association with the Gatestone Institute and lied about it repeatedly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, but that's before we even get into his, as you say, Islamophobic associations in the past. Yeah, they're all going on the attack, and James Ball in particular is such a stupid bastard that he actually managed in his over-egged accusations of anti-semitism in the way he went about making them to actually invoke anti-semitic tropes himself yeah i don't think for the first time yeah yeah he took adita's tweet to not be that a tory is opposed to redistribution on political grounds but that because he's jewish danny finkelstein is wealthy and wants to keep his money which no reasonable person could have read the tweet that way. <laughs> yeah. Like you say, you're right. He himself showed anti-Semitic thinking, which you increasingly see from the people who jump straight from, ah, there's a criticism of capitalism. So that must be a criticism of Jewish people. Yeah. 
I think people whose sole motivator in tweeting about anti-Semitism is to attack the left, which obviously doesn't remotely cover all people who are concerned about anti-Semitism on the internet, but no. there's a, certainly a subset where that does seem to be the driving motivation. You and Phillips. A brilliant example. They just don't seem to have the deep understanding or even much of a progression in their understanding of well, all but the most obvious tropes and examples of anti-Semitism and what they're involved and, and what the actual thinking behind them is. Yeah. So you well, keep I mean, seeing these people stumbling, whereas people with a nuanced understanding and a more genuine interest and concern about the topic, whatever their political perspective, are not fucking up like that because well, they that, do, um, on some level, give a shit. I think this is why the Nasher lot have lost their credibility you used to see some fairly reasonable people retweeting them and you never do now because they're just clearly right-wing fanatics yeah and they clearly attack people on such disingenuous grounds and they also fail to recognize anti-semitic tropes if they're directed at say john landsman yeah absolutely they explicitly defend them their friend brexit tory when he was tweeting uh, anti-semitic tropes yeah and what was the guy uh, free-spirited piss free-spirited but because i yeah the man behind centristdad.com they popped up in my (laughs) mentions when i was going for him about the sick pin tweet he had where it was john landsman as a puppet master literally pulling Jeremy Corbyn's strings so I was going for him over that because it was fucking disgusting and there were a couple of like various young Tories popped up to argue with me and I think for the most case they were just stupid about it they didn't have enough of an understanding about anti-semitism to realise that that was a problem or they were just trying to score points there's never been anything as how do you do fellow kids as right wingers trying to adopt the language of anti-racism it's literally the I joined David Cameron's conservative party I joined the conservative party as an aide to Oliver Letwin when he was an aide to Margaret Thatcher because I was unequivocally opposed to racism I got involved in the Monday Club back in the late 70s because yeah you get what I'm doing yeah Uh, (laughs) It's so unconvincing. So I I had these kids popping up in my mentions and that, arguing with me. And then the main Nasher account popped up in the mentions (laughs) and they were like, no, that's not anti-Semitic at all. Good day. (laughs) (laughs) We're the arbiters of it. And this direct invoking of one of the more insidious and persistent (laughs) anti-Semitic tropes, specifically against probably the highest profile Jewish activist on the left is not anti-Semitic at all. He didn't even offer mm. a reason or anything, but it's essentially because he's a left-wing Jew and they don't want to acknowledge the fact that there are Jewish people that support Jeremy Corbyn yeah. and that are also mm. sincere about fighting anti-Semitism. Uh, it's cynical fuckers, man. Like, really just frustrating and they're going to be all out during this election because at the last election they were probably all kind of coming out with Corbyn's shit and this time they'll be coming out with Corbyn's evil and we all need to vote conservative to stop him. Yeah, but I don't and think they'll have the same influence it. as they would have last time. I think they've punched themselves out a bit, and I think they're <laughs> kind of centrist Twitter, if you like, or alt-centrist Twitter when you're talking about people like the Nasher crew. It's mm. become more of an echo chamber, even more than it was, in the sense that yeah. they haven't got many orbiters anymore. People have, you over the, the years, same... either gone I'm... full native or they've yeah. fucked them right off. Well done to the lot of them, really. 
I kind of understand Jess Phillips or Wes Streeting. They spent all this time cultivating their horrible Blairite politics. They got into Parliament and this fucking Corbyn guy gets in instantly and their careers are on the... I mean, I think Jess has done alright career-wise because of all that media work. Yeah, if we're defining that's how career, she's done like, it. She's carved out a sheer, media profile for herself. Yeah, if we're talking about sheer financial intake, I think her career has done very well. But, uh, but you, well I, I, from childhood, yeah, really. Well, you know, it was a tiny house the whole time. Maybe okay. one day she'll upgrade to a medium-sized house in France. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you've made it. <laughs> I'm sure it will just be medium the whole time. It yeah. won't one day suddenly turn into a big house. And those of us who are determined to plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed, that grows from an acorn into a big tree, know it takes a long time. But we're up for it and we're going to continue this fight. Oh, Mike, it's all gone so wrong, hasn't it? Are you sorry you left your party knife? Well, yeah, I kind of understand how Jess or Wes or people who were in Parliament before them feel. I think that actual normal members of the public who find themselves standing for centrist politics, these people don't give a fuck about you. How do you listen to, like, I don't know, Jess Phillips and think, yeah, this person is doing this for me. This person is doing this for that person in a cardboard box at the end of the street. They are doing this for this person who's just been laid off from their job. There's this thing of, you know, Jess Phillips is obviously very popular amongst celebrities, even, unfortunately, Kathy Burke, who I think is great. Oh, uh, no, is, that's heartbreaking. Is a huge Jess Phillips fan. And you do kind of think, what is it about relentless self-promoter Jess Phillips that appeals to people in the public eye, to celebrities who've had to, you know, really think about how do I get my career one step ahead the whole life so i think it's really natural and again i think it's that kind of thing of like that if you're doing quite well then that is what seems like a breath of fresh air this person who's really confident in themselves and they seem to have a kind of fully realized self rather than a vision for society they know what they think it doesn't matter if their politics are actually completely incoherent if they <laughs> state them with confidence then of course they appeal to these people. But I do find it frustrating that they don't seem to understand why somebody so about themselves is not popular in their own left-wing party. They can't quite comprehend, like, you're right, this Jeremy Corbyn guy who is just not about himself at all is really popular. But I like this person who's all about themselves. Why have the left-wing party gone for the one who's not about themselves? This is really confusing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there's a blinkeredness about it and not being able to see what appears to be one of the most staggeringly obvious grifts in the public eye. You know? <laughs> like, I see, I just say grift implies some sort of underhandedness. I mean, apart from a couple of other things she's had on the registers of interest in past, she's quite upfront about what she's doing. Yeah, got a new book out, by the way, incidentally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the release of her new book timed very well with her widely shared speech in which she uh, cried that Tory MPs are losing their jobs. They're <laughs> well, not even I losing mean, their jobs. She's probably sincere still about it, much as a lot of these <laughs> things are quite stage-managed. You know, I believe that she's genuinely upset about that. <laughs>
a little heads up for real politics listeners in Bermondsey and Old Southwark. If you're a Labour member, you see yourself as being on the left of the party. If you don't see yourself as being on the left of the party, fuck off, why are you even listening listening to this shit? Yeah, exactly. But especially don't listen to this bit. But if you want to be more involved, DM friend of a show and former RealPolitik guest, Sam Foster, who's at Sam Foster, one word, 99 on Twitter. I think it should have been Sam Foster 69, but disappointing anyway he says but trigger ballot meetings are happening over the next week he's campaigning for open selection in the constituency and he'd like to be in touch with local members who feel the same he knows that getting involved in labor doesn't always feel straightforward and it can help to speak to someone politically like-minded who can show you the ropes he says he's happy to speak to anyone meet for coffee put you in touch with someone in your branch so basically what i'm saying there is Turn up to Bermondsey and Old Southwark CLP, if that is indeed your CLP, and please deselect the fuck out of that fucking cunt, Neil Coyle. Please. Like, the guy is just a complete arsehole. He was in The Guardian the other day, opposite our friend Matt Zarb cousin, arguing against a general election. Like, just a fucking disgraceful slug. Although, we have always got to thank him for nominating Jeremy Corbyn and... 2015 but yeah, yeah uh, if you're nice in that piece, area so. please get out there and deselect him because the campaign for open selections in the Labour Party is crucial it doesn't have enough support from the leadership I don't think and it's really really important that local Labour members take the initiative and if they have an appalling right-wing MP try and do something about it yeah I heartily endorse that and also if, if you're not lo- well, if you're local but not local-ish why not steal someone's identity who does do in that constituency and join yeah. up and, and help kick Neil Coyle out anyway? Even if you're not Labour and you have some kind of issue with Neil Coyle, just do what I did, infiltrate your local party like I did with the Tory party. Okay, this may be fictitious, but you could try it anyway. And get the fucker out. I presume you guys want to wrap up soon. Uh, probably yeah, an idea, probably yeah. 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 A couple of hours, oh shit, it's like, after yeah. midnight. How about, I've got some quotes that have really stood the test of time. Great. First Great. off, Great. we've got Jane Merrick, friend of the show. Well, you know it's going to be good. This was February the 20th. I find it hilarious that the latest criticism of At The Independent Group is that all the senior political journalists slash commentators love it. I don't care about anyone else, but this Liverpool-born and bred comprehensive educated political journalist has been centre left since 1985 I read that as since 1895 (laughs) I've been been centre left since I saw the way my father the elephant man was persecuted in Victorian society oh god I'm going to have to classify David Lynch as a melt now. (laughs) His social realist depiction of of James' dad's life. She says, who made me centre-left? Two people, Margaret Thatcher and Derek Hatton. But if you're resorting to criticism that journalists like centrist politics, you're ignoring the deep problems in your own party, Labour or Conservative, and why at the independent group is necessary. I should say at the end group 
who she's atting in this thread now leads to an account called Cringe UK, the anti-independence group. <laughs> They'll probably be polling higher than the actual Change UK soon. <laughs> just through, like, name recognition. Jane says Labour and Tory people need to show more humility about what the independent MPs are saying. Like, what the independent group MPs are saying is just like, And you, you have, have the, the milk! milk? About their cultures and party machinery, rather than simply bleat about whether political journalists love them or not. I don't think she's made any points in this thread, other than stop saying that political journalists love this group, even though they do, because I know you are, but what am I, or something. Sounds like a Uh, good summary, yeah. And she says, and now this claim that journalists love the independent group is exposed as a canard. The Mail, Sun, Telegraph and Express, all running critical splashes on TIG today. Oh, what? You mean the the, the Mail, the Telegraph, the Sun and the Express didn't support the primarily anti-Brexit Change UK party? (laughs) Wow. All running critical splashes on TIG today. Can't trust the MSM to reinforce Corbynite and Brexiteer conspiracy theories. Yes, you can. <laughs> They'll always reinforce our conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. That's a good thing whenever a former Labour MP does end up in the Lib Dems, is you always find out, oh, they did have a good few tweets that they'd done at some point. Yeah, Chuck <laughs> yeah, had quite a few. Probably even more vicious than that, you know? So Angela <laughs> Smith is set to defect to them, isn't she? So it's just uh, allegedly, yeah. From uh, Angela Smith MP, Lib Dems. Let's see. Depends what their position uh, over water's been on the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably on her side, I think. Well, she tweeted today, Luciana is very special and will be a huge asset to the Lib Dems. She congratulated Joe Swinson. She said that a by-election against Jared O'Mara would be a huge opportunity for the Lib Dems. Yeah. Well, she's not been that critical of the Lib Dems. Although the thing is that my eyes are just glazing past all of these tweets because none of them have got any numbers because nobody heard of Angela Smith before 2019. (laughs) Let's just find one good one to close out on. I've got a couple of Matt Ford ones if you want them. Has he joined the Lib Dems? No, but uh, (laughs) morally, yes. Just in in reference to what we were talking about earlier, despite his profile in terms of his shit TV show and his posters everywhere every summer, most people still haven't got a fucking clue who he is. Mm. So you can kind of sum the man up in one single tweet of his. Just woken up to hear Tony Blair bossing it on the Today (laughs) programme. It's coming home. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, here's Angela Smith calling the Lib Dems mealy-mouthed apologists for Tory policy and (laughs) saying that something that they did in 2012 to do with, I guess, the health and social care bill takes the biscuit. Hashtag drop the bill. Lib Dems, here we go, sold their soul to a right-wing Tory (laughs) government in return for a few red boxes. The hashtag Newsnight Lib Dems defend the indefensible. (laughs) Right, get that screen cap, man, just in case. Yeah, just getting getting this out there for when she joins. Oh, God, I know, from 2011. 
Wow. Yeah, alright, so on those wise words from Angela Smith about the Lib Dems selling their soul to a right-wing Tory government in return for a few red boxes and defending the indefensible, I think let's call it a day. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. we've got a compromise, let's go. Exactly. The politics will keep going on, there'll be new stuff. By the time we get this episode edited, all the stuff we've said will be out of date. We know this, <laughs> we're factoring it in. This will be like a snapshot <laughs> from history by the time it's... Even if we do a really quick Usually job, get out in a few days, no. Yeah. This is, is all going to be gone. Alright, well this has been Real Politic. We didn't even introduce it. This has been Real Politic with Geraint. Jack and Yair. Yeah, and if you if you have stumbled across this without knowing who we are and have also listened for, <laughs> for over two hours to us, like <laughs> please Why? <laughs> please tell us how you came to be like this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah what, please subscribe. What decisions have you made in life that have led you here? <laughs> Down this strange path. Hey, we've actually we're up one Patreon follower, by the way. Um, so please everyone subscribe to patreon.com slash realpolitik all one word keep the propaganda machine chugging on nicely please please yes every time you donate to our patreon you're essentially putting treats in our mouths (laughs) every time you donate a St. Petersburg troll grows wings (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so you know what to do people chuck us the cash (laughs) <laughs> Alright. Should, uh, should we call it a day? Yeah, yeah I think All so. Right. Yeah. Talk to you guys later. Alright. Vindicated, I was right about you When people said you was cool It was too good to be true You're bad, by which I mean You're the shittiest dude You're worse for the earth than a barrel of crude When I first saw you I got a bad vibe But at others' behest I put it to the side You come off like a cop Who works for the police Squawking more inane shit Than a gaggle of geese Fucking vindicated Fucking vindicated I feel so elated to be fucking vindicated. Take pleasure in the wrong that you've done But I had you marked on day one You're a real slimy shaker and a mover for sure I'll show you my boot, which will show you the door Fucking vindicated Fucking vindicated You're so hated Fucking vindicated Fucking vindicated Fucking vindicated Fucking vindicated Fucking vindicated
it's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.